Welcome to our seventh podcast for Thanks for Your Service. I'm David Hall. Thanks for Your Service is a news and information resource and its focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian Defence Force. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net. You can also email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. In this podcast, we learn about a community tribute called 5,000 Poppies, and then we head over to Alice Springs to talk to one of Australia's living national treasures. In 2013, in honour of their fathers, Lynn Berry and Margaret Knight set out to crochet a humble 120 poppies to plant at the Shrine of Remembrance in Melbourne for Remembrance Day. What started as a small gesture of remembrance has grown into a community tribute of respect and remembrance known as 5,000 Poppies. Joining us on the line from Melbourne in Victoria is Lynn Berry, founder of the 5,000 Poppies Project. Lynn, many thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. Their 5,000 Poppies started in 2013. How did it kick off? Originally, my sister-in-law and I, Maggie Nart and I, uh, decided that we would do a very small tribute to both of our fathers who both fought in World War Two. Her father was a British soldier and my dad was uh, an Australian soldier and uh, we were planning to plant 120 poppies at the Shrine of Remembrance in Melbourne where my father's battalion has a tree. So we were going to plant 120 poppies underneath the tree and that's where it started. And it's come a long way since then, I have to say. Well well, bringing forward now to 2017, the project seems to have grown immensely. Where are you now with the project? So after uh, after our initial planting, we did a we did a, an installation for the centenary of ANZAC, the beginning of the centenary of ANZAC in 2015 in Melbourne's Fed Square. That was a very large um, project of about 300 or 257,000 copies. Uh, in, t- in 2016, we went on to do the Chelsea Flower Show and um, we also had an installation at Fromel in France for the centenary of the Battle of Fromel. This year, we've been relatively quiet in terms of installations. We left a lot of poppies over in France for a number of commemorative services for the um, Western Front for this year. And then... Um, We've been working towards next year, which is the culmination of the centenary of ANZAC for Australians. So we've been working towards two projects there. So we're still collecting poppies and we're still working on them, making them ready for our big finale next year at the Australian War Memorial. Are you able to describe us what the group's about? Because obviously you have a group of people from probably Australia and elsewhere who are actually knitting poppies or crocheting poppies, is that right? Yes, knitting and crocheting. We've had some felted poppies as well, but our preference is for knitting and crochet. It started out as, you know, kind of like a small personal tribute. And I'm thinking that for everyone that's involved in the project, and we estimate there's been over 50,000 contributors all around the world, although mostly they're in Australia. Um, it's a very personal project for them. So it's this small individual, you know, contribution to a very large and very public outpouring of respect and remembrance and and that's what we say about the project is that it is a communal project it's it's all about community but it's to show our gratitude and our respect and our honor for those who have served past and present how do people get involved and once they're involved what do they do with the poppies once they've uh, they've made them 
So it's very easy to get involved. You can make one poppy or ten poppies or in the instance of some people, thousands of poppies. Um, we have lots of patterns on our blog. We have a, a blog, 5000poppies.wordpress.com that people can go to and find the patterns on the blog, make a poppy and then send it to us in Melbourne. And uh, we've, we've got two projects running simultaneously. Um, one is for the Australian War Memorial next year, as I've said, and that will be a planting of 61,000 plus poppies to honour the fallen in World War One, And the second project is to create a further 50,000 poppies for the RSL to sell as a special edition poppy for the um, centenary next year for the poppy appeal in Victoria. And the Australian War Memorial uh, project for 2018, is that November next year? Yes, it will. We'll be um, planting mid-October and that will run right through till uh, the 12th of November. So it'll go right through from the end of Floriade right through to um, to Remembrance Day and then the day after we'll pack up. And then after 2018, what plans do you have? Uh, no plans at the moment, talking to a couple of um, organisations or governments actually about the potential for doing something for the homecoming that we haven't, we're not really focused on that at the moment. We've got two enormous jobs in front of us as we speak and so we're really very heavily focused on that. And um, But in 2019, we'll probably do something around the homecoming. And then at the end of that, when, we're, when we've actually finished, what we'll do is we'll probably disseminate the poppies and we'll find a fair way to do that, sending them out to organisations that will use them in commemorative services from then on. I mean, for next year, I, I think your goal is about 110,000 poppies. Where are you up to now with, uh, from a number perspective? Um, we've probably got, um, well, we've just packed our 30,000 from, for the, uh, for the RSL collection, and we've probably got about 20,000. So it's about 50,000. We're, give or take, we'd be close to halfway there. And how is... I expect that we won't have any issues around collecting them, actually. And how is the 5,000 Poppies project supported? Um, for the most part, it is supported by ourselves, actually. Everybody who makes poppies uh, pays their own costs towards making them and then they pay their own costs for sending them to us. So we're fairly well self-funded. Um, we have had some significant funding for our overseas installations and I could run through, you know, the Victorian government and Qantas and Carpet Call and the Australian government and a private benefactor and 3AW in particular, but there have been others who have supported us to get us across for our major installations overseas. But in general here, we're actually self-funded. Where can people go to find out more about the 5000 Poppies project? So we have a blog, um, 5000poppies.wordpress.com, and there's a whole lot of information on there. We also have a very active and really wonderfully communal Facebook group which is just 5,000 poppies. If you search for 5,000 poppies on Facebook, you can find out all sorts of information and, and join the group. It's a really, it really is a very active and very community-minded thing. So the, there's a lot of sharing, there's a lot of discussion, and it's really quite wonderful community to be involved in, I have to say. Lynn, can you tell us a little bit more about your father? And uh, you, you said that the, the project started uh, in terms of commemorating him. Uh, what, what was his service during the war? 
He was uh, in the army. He served in New Guinea. And um, he never, ever spoke about his service. You know, what we've found out about his service, we've actually found out after his death. But um, he was a wonderful man. And he came back relative... I'm, I'm not sure that anybody ever comes back from war unscathed or completely unscathed. But we were pretty lucky that he came back relatively unscathed and, uh, and went on to marry and have a family. You know, many thousands did it. So, you know, from, from that point of view, to honour his service is, um, is something that I've really, really enjoyed doing. And even to this day, no matter how big this project gets, it's still, for me, it's still about my father. And, um, and that's a wonderful thing. But uh, he, um, he never spoke about it, as many didn't. Lena, a, a fantastic initiative and uh, certainly from your perspective a very personal involvement as well. We wish you very, uh, very much all the best of luck for 2018 and thank you so much for your time today. You can find links to the information about 5,000 poppies on our website. The National Trust of Australia lists him among Australia's national living treasures. Ted Egan AO joined us from Alice Springs to talk about his music and books about World War I and the family connections. Ted, many thanks for joining us today. I talk to you, David. Ted, if we can focus uh, on on your involvement with Australian military history, and if we can start with the release of the Faces of Australia series, the Anzacs, which was released in 1985 on CD and also on vinyl, on LP, for those people who can remember the old, I think, 33 and a third RPM. Uh, can you can you tell us about that CD or that 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 uh, that musical first? Well, the, yes, the series was called The Faces of Australia. I set out to uh, seek to write the his write a history of Australia in song and verse, and so I did the Overlanders, the Shearers, the Anzacs, the Convicts, the Aboriginals, and uh, I had in mind to do others, but I ran out of money and. Uh, uh, so I did, but I did five, one of which was the Anzacs, and uh, I started out very sure that I had to be uh, very uh, aware of the incredible level of knowledge in Australia and New Zealand among families who had relatives involved in World War I. Uh, my own mother had three brothers who went as Anzac soldiers to World War I, and uh, she knew a lot about World War I. She was the most anti-war person I ever met and I wrote one of the songs I wrote was titled A Song for Grace which was based on a conversation that I had with my mum about her three brothers when I was about 12 years of age and I, I came home from school and she was crying and I said why are you crying and she said well it's Anzac Day I always cry on Anzac Day and uh, so I went into the entire album in the awareness that I would come under a very hefty scrutiny and I certainly did that, but I, uh, I'm pleased to say that I also received considerable acclaim from people who realised the extent of my research. And I, uh, I did read all the uh, all the existing books and uh, the official war histories. And I, uh, along the way, I listed uh, as possible titles, uh, I think, 14 songs. Now I wasn't out, I wasn't going to say that I was the only one capable of doing these songs because I I knew particularly of one song by a chap named Eric Bogle, a good friend of mine who'd written the uh, wonderful song in the band played Waltzing Matilda. So 
Uh, I thought I must include that because that'll be as good or better than any any of my other songs. So I negotiated with Eric, and he was happy for me to uh, to uh, he did for me a special version of his own song, which I included under his name. And of course, he gets he gets royalties from that whenever there's a sale. Uh, but I. Uh, I also did one in the same category from Judy Small, who wrote the lovely song Mothers, Daughters, Wives about the attitudes of women in respect of World War One. But along the way, I decided to write a, a general uh, larrikin-oriented song called We Are the Anzacs, uh, because the, although the Australian and New Zealand soldiers were always listed as uh, very brave and very heroic, sometimes to the point of expendability, they were nonetheless in all situations larrikins because they didn't see themselves as permanent soldiers. They saw themselves as civilians who'd enlisted to help Mother England out in this dreadful task of winning the, winning the, the war. So they went from the other side of the world to participate in the war that they knew nothing about and they thought, oh, well, it won't take us long. We'll fix, we'll fix the Germans and we'll be home for Christmas. But little did they know and they started at Gallipoli and they went on to the Western Front in the Middle East and suffered immense casualties, probably higher per capita casualties than any other nation involved in World War One. So at the outset, I knew I had to be very careful and I put in a good 10 years and thousands of dollars in my research and I did, I put out in 1985, uh, all, as all, all as part of the 1988 Australian centenary celebrations, uh, the... Um, uh, the side of the album, The Antics. And of course, we've just, uh, we've had the commemoration of the 100th anniversary of the uh, the charge of Bathsheba, and, and one of your songs is yep. The Wells yeah, of Bathsheba. Yeah, that's one of my songs, yes. And, uh, yeah, well, that, that, was, that was undoubtedly one of the great Allied victories of World War One, and it was, uh, it was the Australian light horse who did this impossible uh, feat of riding uh, across three miles of open country under fire, to jump the trenches and capture the town of Beersheba. So, yes, we've just recently had the centenary of that. And and in 2014, for the 100th year anniversary of the commemoration of the start of, first, uh, of the First World War, you've also written, a, authored a book titled The Anzacs, 100 Years On in Story and Song, which which I think was based on that original uh, Anzac yes, space in Australia. So yes, what it's an expansion of my original 1985 book, yes. So why did you release this book and the, and the accompanying CD that comes with the book? Well, I, I wanted to, uh, uh, along with that, I'd done some DVDs and, uh, you know, again, spent a lot of money uh, buying footage and creating footage around battles like Gallipoli, Beersheba, and I put made out a DVD for the song for Grace for My Mother, and I wanted to tell those stories more fully and in a, a better presented book. So uh, I, uh, I uh, self-published uh, a book called The Anzacs uh, 100 Years On in Story and Song to show that it was now 100 years since the, the actual events of World War I and uh, uh, sort of reviewing the aftermath of the war and uh, at all times deploring the horror of war uh, and... Uh, asking that uh, armourers be put under scrutiny at all times and uh, wondering why, why we can't resolve things more peacefully. So you also mentioned that there are a number of family connections with the First World War with your mother, Grace, and your uncles. Can you elaborate on those? 
Well, my mum had, uh, she was one of 12 children uh, in an Irish Catholic family and they uh, were very opposed to England in every every single respect, or lack of respect. And uh, uh, it was, uh, nonetheless, it was typical for her brothers to join the Australian Army because, as, I, as the line goes in the song, the Empire, the British Empire, as much as my mother knew that these, as their mother knew these sons were hers. So they enlisted as uh, adventurous young Australians. They were all country red. They were all fine horsemen. And they all enjoyed, just all joined the light horse just for the adventure of uh, something different. Uh, a trip overseas. And as I said earlier, they, like everyone else, they thought the war would probably last three or four months and they'd be back home for Christmas. But um, uh, Jack was killed at Gallipoli. Uh, Bob and Martin were both at Gallipoli. And uh, uh, Bob went on to the Western Front for three years straight in the trenches there. And Martin went to the Middle East with the light horse and he was captured by the Turks and he almost starved uh, and he came back very seriously deranged mentally and uh, our family always considered that Martin was the real tragedy of the war because we will always remember Jack as the, as the handsome young man in the photograph. Uh, he would have had a couple of dreadful days as the last days of his life uh, blown to pieces uh, and Bob came back relatively normal and raised a fine family, but, but poor old Martin, he spent the rest of his life in and out of military hospitals, and uh, he was a total wreck. Ted, you're, you're an author, you're a singer, a songwriter, TV presenter, former administrator of the Northern Territory. You've been awarded the office of the Order of Australia. So what's next for Ted Egan? Uh, well, I'm, I'm always a trailer, always a... Uh, likely to write songs about real people that I encounter. More often than not, people who uh, might escape the, the attention of historians. Uh, you know, little old grandmothers and cattle drovers and uh, people, kids in the bush, that sort of thing. And uh, so I'm working on a couple of musicals and uh, I don't have much control over this because the songs, uh, once they're in my mind, they eventually come out uh, because I, once I get a theme, I seem to develop words and music uh, at the same time and uh, so a song there's nothing in there at the moment that I'm conscious of but uh, who knows I might write a song about a person X tomorrow. And in and, and this interview today we're focused on certainly the, the CDs and, and the book uh, about the Australian military history but, but you've written so much and where can people go to find out more about your, your books and your music? Well, I've, I've got a web page, tedegan.com.au, uh, and that gives a, uh, a list of all the... I've done uh, 30 albums of songs, and I've done about 15 books over a lot of years, and they're, they're all available through me. Just uh, People just go to the, the web page and fill out the form and drop me an email, and I post the next day. And uh, 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 I, uh, I'm the pretty safe seller because all of my uh, all of my products over the years have paid for themselves but uh, I, I'm not uh, not rich or wealthy or famous but I, uh, I've got a good following and of supporters and uh, uh, enjoy pretty good health so uh, let's hope I keep writing a few more songs well, I think I'll have to disagree on the famous label I think you've been listed as a national treasure of Australia Ted 
Uh, I have, yes. I've forgotten that. <laughs> so, so we'll uh, obviously on our website and our podcast, we'll put all the lists and links to your uh, to your website where people can find. Uh, if you the, want, I'd the, be grateful. Yes. The wide range of music and books, and I was very uh, honoured to to. Uh, to get a copy of the book of the Anzac 100 Years in Story and Song, which uh, not only is the book, but the accompanying CD and the music uh, is part of the package. Ted, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, we hope you have a, a, you, good, a good rest of the afternoon in, in the Alice. Thank you, and greetings to all your listeners from uh, Alice Springs in the heart of Australia. A link to Ted's website can be found on our page. That's the podcast for today. We're keen to hear your feedback. The email again is info at thanksforyourservice.net or leave a comment on our Facebook page. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave a review. Finally, if you're interested in sponsorship or support of this podcast, head to our website or email us. You can also support us via Patreon. The link is www.patreon.com. Thanks for your service. Thanks for listening. <laughs>